So um, my story started um, as a result of a simple decision that I made a few years ago to just show a daily kindness to a stranger or to someone that I perceived as different from me. And before I talk about this, lest you think I'm something special, um, there are days when I have trouble showing kindness to my own family members, um, So, uh, let alone a stranger. So this was not like something that came supernaturally. Um, well, actually, it was supernatural probably. But um, Hebrews 7, 18, and 19 says, The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. We talk about the renewal of all things as if it's referring to things around us or outside of us, but renewal started distinctly inside of me. I needed a better hope and a new regulation because the former one was prone to worry and criticism, and it wasn't likely to renew anything or to draw anyone nearer to God. Aren't we all discouraged by what we see as broken in the world, but we feel like we're powerless to fix it or to change it? Well, a few years ago, I decided that I was just going to focus on what I could change and influence. So I developed kind of a life motto, and that was, I can't change the world, but I can change my world. And here's some things that happened after that. Shortly after developing this motto, I was in Aldi, in the produce section specifically, and I was, I'd gone on a walk, I was hot and sweaty, it was summer, I was wearing shorts and a tank top, and I saw a woman there who was about my age, but she was in a hijab and full robe, so it seemed like a total contrast. And it happened to be during Ramadan, which most of you probably know is a time when Muslims do not eat until sundown. And so I just decided to risk asking her a question and hoped it wouldn't offend her, but I said, is it hard to grocery shop in the morning during Ramadan? And her eyes lit up, and there was an obvious connection. And so right there in Aldi, we exchanged phone numbers, and we stay in touch. And the first time that I had coffee with her in her home, we found out that we're both moms of large families, and we have kids in the very same age range. And she was a former chicken lady, which I am a chicken lady, and so we don't have grandchildren yet, and we exchanged pictures of our first eggs, and we totally got each other. And it just really, it just made me know that there were way more things that were similar about us than there were different. Um, some of you will remember a couple from Asbury. They were from Iran, and I'm not even going to use their names because of the continual danger that they live in due to their conversion from Islam to Christianity. But um, she was a graduate student, and they had lived in Tulsa for a few years when my husband Charlie and I met them. It was one Sunday. We were sitting in the church lobby having coffee, and she and I made eye contact, and this was my thought process. Well, look at that lovely Hispanic couple. I don't really have many Hispanic friends, so this is today's stranger. Well, of course, upon striking up conversation, we realized that they were not Hispanic, but from a truly different culture than us. So we got to know them, and it was really a joy to, to get to know them while they lived here in Tulsa, and they grew in their pursuit of Christ. And that culminated in a private baptism that we got to be a part of. They potentially put their lives at risk to do this, and they're constantly still worried about the repercussions that this choice could have on their family back in Iran. But what really struck me was the thing that initially caused them to want to know more about Christ 
was the kindness that they saw demonstrated through volunteers in student in campus ministry, just reaching out to international students. And that was before they had you know any real interest in pursuing Christ. They just noticed that kindness. So we can never underestimate underestimate the power of a kind word or gesture because it can truly be life-changing for someone. Um, another area that God has been working in the last few years on me is over the past few years, I've gained some really great friends in the LGBT community. And I would say that judgmental, fearful, and condemning are words that come to mind when I think of my attitude for a very long time for those who did not identify as straight. Um, and while I'm going to admit that I may not understand or agree with every practice of my LGBT friends or family members, I had an aha moment at some point, and that was that I don't understand or agree with everything about my own husband. So <laughs> the great news is that that's not my job to agree with or understand everything about the people in my life. My job, Jesus just told me to love them, so that's what I get to do. And um, one of our favorite things to do as a family is uh, to have two college-aged friends over. We met them last fall, and we like to have them over to play board games and, and share a meal with them. Um, well, over the past couple of years, one of them has been transitioning from female to male. And I don't claim to know all that goes on in the heart and mind of a transgender person at all. It must be just a really hard journey. And all I can hope is that our family is making that journey a little bit lighter for them. And just really um, hope that we've been a reflection of a God who loves, loves them right where they're at and who will meet them where they're at. I was thrilled recently when he told me that um, he thinks of me as a second mom. And I'm hoping for the day when they'll not only accept our invitation to board games, but also to attend church with us. But the board games are a really great start, and we have a lot of fun in the process. Um, I want to finish with a story that just really absolutely blows me away, that God would put his children together at just the right time and place, going to great lengths to demonstrate how he so loves the world, people of all cultures. So Charlie's job as a professor sometimes provides opportunities for extended travel. And he taught in Turin, Italy for half of this past summer. And our 16-year-old daughter, Lydia, and I went with him. To make a long story short, we found ourselves with a chance to volunteer um, while we were there, teaching conversational English to refugees, mostly from African countries and from Syria. While Charlie worked on things like business-related terminology with the advanced speakers, Lydia and I taught the beginning adults and children. Now, never did we expect our time in Italy to include things like doing the hokey pokey with grown men from Mali and Libya. But that really happened, and there we were. Um, among the refugees that we met, two ladies have become dear friends, and I will, I will stay in contact with them for my life, I'm sure. Nuha was a teacher when she lived in Syria. She was a follower of Christ, and she's now a single mom of an eight-year-old son because her husband was killed in the war. Uh, the first time that she and I and Lydia sat down and had coffee together, after visiting for a while, she said, I had no idea there were quiet, respectful American teenagers. And I said, likewise, <laughs> most people in the U.S. have no idea that there are Christian, bright, kind Syrian refugees. Rebus was another lady. She and her husband are newlyweds from Sueda, Syria, and they're both civil engineers. 
Uh, through a series of events, they ended up in Turin less than a year after their wedding. They belong to the Druze community, and that's a culture that incorporates elements of Christianity and Islam and some other beliefs. Um, but while meeting with them over coffee one day, I learned that just five days earlier, in their city in Syria, it had been attacked by ISIS with over 200 people killed and 30 women and children taken hostage. So, you know, it's just amazing to kind of share that grief with them in the moment that those things were really happening currently in their city. Thankfully, Rebus has kept in touch and she's updated me on the situation and reported to me recently that after three months, those hostages that were still living had been released, so I'm grateful for that. But we got to introduce each of these refugee friends to Hugh and Allison. Now, they are from Wales and Northern Ireland, respect, respectively, and they pastor an English-speaking church in Turin. I found out about their church before we headed to Italy because I wanted to find a place for our family to worship while we were there. The funny thing is, we were never in Turin on weekends because of our travel schedule, so we never got to go to the church, but I contacted Allison anyway to see if she'd be willing to meet with and work on English with my two friends because they had expressed an interest in continuing that practice. What I didn't know was that in the weeks preceding that, Allison had been praying for opportunities specifically to minister to refugee women. And while they'd had a lot of men contact their church, no women. And so now... Um, she invited Rebus and her husband to church, and they and others in the church are sharing meals with my Druze friends from Syria, and they're attending services regularly there. And it just is incredible to me that God used a family from Oklahoma who traveled to Italy to be part of his answer to prayer of a lady from Northern Ireland who would reach out then to Syrian refugee women. I could never have planned or anticipated how God would, would use us. And that's the beautiful thing about it. Um, I want to close with a thought from anthropologist Margaret Mead. She said, never believe that a few caring people can't change the world, for indeed, that's all who ever have.